Hello everybody, welcome, hello, 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 welcome, 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 glad you could be here. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. We do this live stream every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, that's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged. Glad you could be with us. We've already got 74 folks in here. That's not bad. That's a that's quite a nice little launch to our evening together. We're going to geek out on fish. I'm going to give you the shipping report. And then I'm going to tell you a few things that are going on here. And then we're going to get to your questions and comments. So if you have any questions about any of the videos we've released recently and you're like, hey, but what about this or whatever, now's the time. Or if you just want to have general discussion about aquariums, aquarium fish, breeding fish, running a fish business, how to transport fish safely. If it's freshwater and it's fish, I can probably help you, although there's a few things I don't know and I'll be upfront about that. But that's the docket for the day. I want to thank everyone for being here. Thanks for coming. Thanks to my moderators for being here and doing what they do. They volunteer their time, which is amazing. Every week they volunteer an hour and a half to be here and make sure the chat runs smoothly and keep the porn bots under control. So we really appreciate that. Thanks to the moderators for keeping everything copacetic. With that, let's get to the shipping report. I have it right here, and it's not too shabby. Last week, for the year of 2022, beginning February 1st this year, our shipping success rate was 98.87% last week when I talked to you. This week it's gone up by one one hundredth of a percent. We are now at 98.88 instead of 0.87. So did a little better. Uh, it, it takes it takes a lot to move that percentage especially this late in the year with all the many many fish we've shipped throughout the year but not too bad. The, the losses we had there were a few tetras that didn't make it. So I want to apologize to those people. The good news is everything we've shipped so far this week, as far as we've heard, when I talked to Johnny this afternoon, we'd had a 100% uh, success rate. So this week we're looking good. The few Tetris that we lost, we lost on shipments, I believe from, from last week, if I uh, remember the dates from the spreadsheet correctly. So if you had some Tetra issues and you're listening and you were that person, I'm so, so sorry that happened. Uh, it's never fun when that happens, but it's a very, very small percentage. For the year, 98.88% of the fish have arrived alive and uh, in good shape. And, and we count arrived alive, so that includes DOAs, and arrived and were alive, but weren't doing great, so died a, a few days later, right? We, we count that and this as well. So it's not just they arrived alive, but they arrived alive and thrived is what we're we're trying to measure here. Uh, I want to thank everyone that is a customer that reports that stuff. I want to thank all the customers as well that report temperatures. And I guess I should I should mention this. This time of year it's getting cooler, so we're having to use heat packs. It's very helpful if you as a customer when you first open your box, pull out a, a, the bags and measure the temperature. If you have like an infrared thermometer. It's really easy, you just zap them with that and it tells you the temperature. Or if you have a little thermometer, you can stick that in the box in between the bags, that'll tell you the temperature. If you have a second and can do that and shoot us an email or when you leave your review or whatever, let us know the temperature, that's very helpful as we calibrate how much heat to put 
when it's going to certain areas. Now, we're pretty good at that. We've been doing this for a while, and so we're pretty good. But every now and then, something throws me for a loop, and I'm like, I think this is the best way to handle this one. And it's just always good to get that feedback so that if, uh, if what we think is working is maybe working, but right on the edge, if it was just a little hotter in the box or a little colder, we'd start having problems. That's good to know because then I can modify that back towards the middle of the safe zone temperature-wise for the fish. So uh, any feedback anyone wants to give us, email it to hello at dancefish.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com. If you're a customer and you're able to measure the temperature and let us know the temperature of the water in the bags when the fish first arrived to you, that's super, super helpful. So thanks in advance for anyone that does that. And for those that have been doing that. I haven't put out the call for a while because weather's been pretty good until fairly recently, but that's quite helpful. With that, I want to talk about our giveaway. Oh, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned the giveaway when I started this sh sh shindig off. I can't talk. I was going to say shebang and shindig. Like in my mind, I was trying to say both. It's like, couldn't get them out. <laughs> the shebang of a shindig. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> so tonight, what we're going to be giving away is some albino crebinsis. This is Pelvicochromus pulcher, the, the common crebinsis that's been in the hobby forever, but it's the albino form. And this is another of those fish that if you see them in a pet store, they're probably just gonna look like a plain white fish, or if they're young, they're gonna look like a plain white fish, but they color up into real beauties. The reds come in, they're absolutely stunning. Aquarium glass here does good work, so let's show you some aquarium glass here. These are nice pictures of some nice mature adults as they're getting the reds in and the oranges in. And the ladies get that bright red saddle on the belly, right? That's always attractive with the red uh, pelvic fins. So I, I think Aquarium Glacier, or Glacier, however you say it, I don't speak German, uh, knocked it out of the park with their pictures because I think they accurately represent what adults look like when they look nice. Now these, this is what this strain was developed from. For those that might not know, this is the uh, normal Crebensis cichlid that's in the hobby. This is what they look like. They're normal natural wild colors. Of course, most of these are in nice breeding coloration. That's why they have the nice red bellies. It's a little more colorful than normal, but it's a really nice fish and the albino is no exception. In fact, this is one fish where I don't think the albinos are weaker than the normal colored natural fish. I have had lots of both over the years and I've not noticed the albinos being more delicate. They're nice and hardy. Crebenzas are a great little cichlid, especially if you're new to cichlids or just want something easy. They're pretty darn easy. They're more peaceful than most cichlids. When they pair off, they're aggressive. They'll, they'll, they'll defend their spawning site for sure in their babies, but you can still have them spawn and keep a community tank together. They're not likely to just go on a rampage and kill everything, unless it's a tiny little tank and there's not room for everybody or whatever, right? But under normal circumstances, you have some decorations, maybe some plants, and the tank's big enough that they can claim a corner for their spawning site, you're fine. They don't get too big. A massive, massive male, including the long tail, might be four inches, something like that. Females are quite a bit smaller. Peaceful, not too big, very hardy, pretty, and prolific. So a great one for beginners and experts alike. There's, 
there's a lot of fish that I go back to over and over again just because they're a joy. They're not rare. They're not, you know, something you brag about like, hey, I got this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're not a flex. <laughs> but they just bring you joy. And there's, there's a lot of fish like that. I think the Kerbinsis is one and albino Kerbinsis same kind of thing so that's the giveaway for tonight if you would like to win a group of these and it's going to be at least three of them then i was inspired by a comment before the chat started mtv cribs hashtag mtv cribs that's hashtag mtv k-r-i-b-s if you enter that in the chat you'll automatically be entered to win these fish and we'll do that drawing later Again, that's hashtag MTVKRIBS. Should be a fun one. We'll send you at least three. I think I can fit three in a box without any problem. So that is the giveaway. Now, I have to warn you though, these are a gateway drug. Once you start with the Kerbinsis, then you might want some of these. Another group of West African cichlids. I have some of these right now and they're awesome. These are the Nanochromus. Look at these guys. A lot of them get the nice red belly as well. Lots of species of them. Beautiful genus of fish. Another dwarf species from West Africa, around the same area that the Kerbinsis come from. And there's some others as well. There's like Wallace Chromus. might have spelled that wrong let's see but another neat group there's there's a lot of really neat West African cichlids that are fairly peaceful fairly small really pretty a whole bunch of different pelvic acromas as well so these uh, little albino curbenzis might be a gateway drug if you fall in love with them there's a, a whole world you can dive into of more of these uh, small kind of dwarf West African species. So it's, it's kind of a neat thing to try. And if you like it, you might find a, I don't know, a whole genre. It's like, maybe you like comedy, maybe you like uh, romance and you've, you've never tried documentaries, right? Eh, it doesn't seem like it for me. And then one day you're ready and you try a documentary and you're like, dude, I'm totally into documentaries now. I thought I only liked comedies and romance. But, yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing, right? That's how we expand our hobby. 211 folks are here. Thanks for being here, everyone. Really appreciate you coming by. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to reach out to all your ex-lovers and invite them in the chat so we can grow this thing, that'd be a dramatic chat. That'd be quite interesting. <laughs> What's going on with us? Honestly, I've been focusing on creating content. You might have noticed we've created more shorts. So we're doing YouTube shorts, but we've done this thing. One thing I hate about shorts, let me show you what we're doing, is go to the channel. When they clog the feed, when it's all shorts up here. So what we've done is made it so the first thing you see here in our list of videos is the recent uploads, the latest things we've uploaded that are full length. And then down here are the shorts. So you can get to them, but they're not clogging our feed. So if you're not into shorts, don't worry. You kind of have to seek them out to find them down at the bottom there. 
because I didn't want to create a thing where the shorts were interspersed with the rest of the videos and it gets it gets messy. It's like two totally different things. A normal YouTube video and a short. It's yeah, it's they don't belong together. <laughs> it's YouTube's trying to do it all kind of. So we've done, been doing those on YouTube. We've been using the same material and put it on our Instagram. And since YouTube Shorts and TikTok are the exact same format, we also throw them up on TikTok. I've been uh, resistant to TikTok just because I think a man my age doesn't have a lot of business being on TikTok. <laughs> so it's kind of a running joke here. I'm like, hey, everyone, I have to post the TikTok video. And they're like, okay. And they'll post real quick and get off. I'm like, okay, I'm off TikTok. It's okay now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it is a platform where an entire generation is these days. So I think to reach young folks, it's helpful to go there. So, so that's why we're doing that. So I've been doing that and I'm working on a long video about uh, aquariums and mental health. I'm digging into the science to try to actually understand it instead of, we all hear, right? Aquariums reduce stress, they reduce blood pressure, they help people recover from addiction, they help anyone that's uh, lonely, they help with loneliness, they help stimulate the brain of folks if they're elderly, they have all kinds of benefits for mental health. But do they really? And if they do, exactly how? And so we're, gonna, we're digging into the minutiae of that, I've been reading a lot of scholarly articles on research that's been done in that area, and I, I found some studies that I'm very excited about. I think it's going to be a neat video. So that's going to be the, the new, like, really well-produced video. I learned a lot from releasing the puffer video all about Amazon puffers. I think I might have overproduced it. I was trying to make it so that it would retain viewers, and it, it has. But I think I overdid it with, like, the sound effects and things. Some people found that annoying. Uh, kids seem to like it. But I think there's a way to do it where I can keep kids and not annoy adults. So I'm, I'm going to do something slightly different. Just experimenting, trying to look at the analytics and, and figure out the best thing to do. We did release a tour recently, just a couple days ago, about some of the new fish we have here. So if you're curious what's going on, check that out. But that's been my life. A lot of, uh, a lot of content creation and prep for future content creation. Been, been working on that quite a bit, along with all the other stuff, caring for the fish, feeding the fish, treating any fish that need to be treated, running the business, and we still have to pack the fish and get them out and all that stuff. But luckily we have an amazing team here and they all do a great job and that's helping to free me up to do more of the content because that's, that's what creates the community that becomes our customer base, so that's important for us. So anyway, that's, that's it that's going on here, really. I, yeah, some new fish to release. Oh, got some neat hobbyist bread gadaids in today, and we have a bunch more hobbyist bread coming, fish coming in over the next few days, the next couple weeks. So I'll be sharing those with you as soon as they're ready to go as well. All right, let's get to your questions and comments. Now you know what's going on with me. Let's find out what's been going on with you guys. Thanks again to my moderators for being here and doing what they do so that we can keep the chat all good. Here we go. Scrolling down for a question or comment. Spoiled Sushi. Still love the username. I mean, it's stinky, but it cracks me up every time. I have a 20 long planted nano tank, and the biggest fish is a platy. My ram's horns are multiplying, as they do. 
can I put one pipa from the tank in to take care of the snails without harming the other small fish? Uh, the, the answer to can a pee-puffer go in a tank with other fish, in my opinion, is always maybe. Couple things. Maybe you can put one in and it'll be fine and you won't have any problems. Maybe you put it in and it starts nipping your other fish and then you have to separate it. And the other thing is pee-puffers, I don't know why we don't think of them this way, but they're, they're fairly communal fish. I mean, with their own species. They, they live in aggregations of thousands in the nature in the nature <laughs> in the nature in nature they they like to be around their own kind so they i think they do best in large groups i think if you had you know a dozen or so that would be awesome for pea puffers but they seem to thrive if you only have a single one as well so i don't think it's cruel to keep just one i'm not saying that so those are some things to keep in mind when you're thinking about what to do couple of other things that might be options are some of the small loaches. Uh, for example, these dwarf chain loaches right here. Uh, the lights, you yeah, can't really see them well in that tank when the camera's in this configuration, but those don't get big. They get inch and a half. Do they get any bigger than that? Not much. So that, that would be perhaps an option. Coolie loaches might be an option. Assassin snails might be a good thing for you. Those stay small and those will take out your snail colony. So in a nano tank, I think assassin snails would be awesome. What are some others? Hive mind, if, if you folks out there have some other uh, suggestions for small nano fish that could help take care of ram's horn snails, could you chime in so we can help spoiled sushi out? That would be much appreciated. Not Stefan throwing down. Oh, a membership. Okay, yeah, member for three months. That's awesome. That's that's right when we started memberships. I caught the TikTok bug too. We'll let you know if I find a cure. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not like cowbell and you just always need more. Huck throwing down a five dollar super chat. Huck, thank you so much for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required, but every bit does help. So thanks. My pumpkin spice shrimp arrived healthy, and they are even more amazing than described. It is so hard to find great orange shrimp. Thanks, Dan. Oh, I'm glad you like them. And it is a good strong batch. So folks that are on the fence because they've tried orange shrimp before and got muddy shrimp, this batch really is orange. It's. I think you'll be happy. Nice, bright orange. Huck, I'm glad to hear it. Now, one thing we discovered recently from a comment from a customer is it looks like we're super female heavy in there. We didn't even notice. Because with shrimp, we, we kind of just grab a six or eight, whatever the order is, and put them in the bag. And it's like, I make sure there's a few big females in there. And then they're like, okay, that'll be fine. What we don't do as much is focus on the males because they're smaller, they don't have as much color, and folks generally want the females. So we did get a comment from a customer that they have probably, that their particular shipment got maybe all females and maybe one male in there. So we went and looked and yeah, it's a really female heavy batch. So be aware of that. If you order those from us, they might end up all being females. Maybe not, but <laughs> there's a lot more females than males in there. Luckily, a lot of them have dropped babies so the colony's growing and, and pretty soon we'll probably be producing enough that we can have an even sex ratio. But 
they sent us uh, pretty much all females, it looks like. Which is weird. Usually it's the opposite. You have to fight for females. So it's kind of good. Unless you're the one customer that was hoping to have some males. <laughs> Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. I forgot the temperature check, but I was so pumped to get the box. It was basically 12-year-old me. Awesome. So I think I can share this because Mountain Pop... Mountain Pop? Mountain Top Puffer Keeper has, has been talking about it with me publicly in chat that we were able to get a pair of uh, Congo Spotted Puffers or Spotted Congo Puffers. I'm never sure which way it goes. Tetraoda and Shodeni off to Mountaintop Puffer Keeper in the hopes that they can be bred and reproduced and then we can have a source of that amazing puffer bred and raised right here by a hobbyist in the United States. That's the dream. If I don't have to import those anymore, that would be so great. I don't mind importing fish, but it's much better for the fish if it doesn't have to go through the stress of importation. If, if we can buy it from a hobbyist here in the United States, that's, that's the best. So that's what we're trying to do. So hope that works out. Um, glad you were excited. And I think we got you a couple nice fish. I, that whole batch is awesome. So I hope they do well for you. Only Oscars has been a member for two whole months. How time flies. Yes, indeed. Thanks for being a member. Really appreciate that. Thanks for being part of the Fishmonger crew. Bex Fish Room, a member for three months. Hey, Bex, I hope you're doing awesome. By the way, I remember a while ago, I don't remember how long, if it was weeks or months, time is a blur when you're starting a new company. But you were looking for some images of some fish, and I was just curious if you got what you needed and how that project is going. I love, like, fish art, fish calendars, all that stuff. So just curious how that went for you. Love the latest video, Dan. Keep up the awesome work. Thanks for all you do. Hey, right back at you, Bex. Keep up your stuff, too. MTV Cribs is spamming the chat. <laughs> oh. Melissa Turner saying amen to the gateway drug of Kerbenzis. Oh, man, I started with common cribs. Now I have Malawi and have gotten into Pistogramma, too. Yep, they're a gateway drug. Because they're so amazing. Okay, scrolling down. Have to get through all that. And hang on, scrolling up because then chat jumped as soon as I did that. And the next one I can see is Johnny, show the Pleco bottle opener. Mine is sitting to your right. Oh, yeah, so our friend Greg Jones uh, sent some fish that we'll be doing uh, a giveaway with later on some really cool gadeids or gadeids or however you say it along with let me see if i can find it here oh yeah there it is along with a box of just cool stuff there's some botanicals greg made a um so the way we turn the valves see up there those red valves that's water each valve controls a hose and each hose each tank has its own hose and then behind that these little silver ones that are hard to see with the smaller hose coming down that's our air hose each tank has an air hose coming down into it as well right well those are 10 feet off the ground and so opening or closing a valve or adjusting a valve you have to either get on a ladder 
or we have this long pole like that you would use to roll paint on your house, an extendable pole. And we taped a net backwards on it and we use the handle of the net to like nudge the valve where we want it. It's not great. Greg was kind enough to custom make this like Captain Hook hook that screws onto the end of that. And now we have a much more stable way of changing those valves. So, so thanks, Greg. That was just awesome of you. As well as a Pleco bottle opener. Look at that thing. So we can, after a long day of work, <laughs> we can open a bottle with a Pleco. Yeah, it, it was just a cool package to open up, full of pleasant surprises. So thanks again, Greg. If you're watching, I thought that was amazing. All right, spinner, nope, spinster sister. How large a tank do your mini rangers need? How many is a group? So the nice thing about plecos is they don't have to be in a group. If you want just one, that's fine. Or if you wanna try breeding them or to have a group, you know, six or whatever should get along fine. The key with them is somewhat tank space. The larger the tank, the easier, but it's also, about the number of caves in the tank. So big enough footprint is important, but don't forget, like two caves per pleco scattered in different areas so they can all stay away from each other is very helpful. But you don't need a super large tank for range, mini rangers. Now, we, our mini rangers are still being verified. They're not bonafide completely yet. As we say in the description on our listing, we bought these as mini rangers. They come from the river where supposedly the, the mini rangers come from, but they take a while to grow out. So we're still growing the batch in to see how big they get. So far, the biggest one is two and a half inches. If they don't get bigger than that, then maybe they're a true mini. Maybe they get a little bigger and end up at five inches, and it's like, oh, they aren't the mini pleco, the ranger pleco, they're, but they're not big either. Or maybe they turn into one of the largest ranger plecos. There's all kinds of ranger plecos. So provided these stay at two and a half inches, you don't need a big tank for them. If you got one, like 10 gallon tank, as long as it's well established and mature and all that should be just fine. So they don't need a ton of space unless they turn out to not be mini rangers and get big, which is a possibility. I think we've been upfront about that from the beginning. However, we're real hopeful. We haven't seen one get over two and a half inches yet. So <laughs> I'm hopeful. And I think I, in a live stream recently, I asked if anyone who had bought some Ranger, mini Ranger Plecos from us, you know, a long time ago, how big theirs were. And I don't think anyone's have got super big yet, but I'm still not even sure if mini Ranger Plecos are real, if they actually exist or if it's hype that has been uh, created based on babies of other species. I can't tell. There's no L number, there's no scientific description. There's really nothing to go off of that I've found except for like forum discussions and Facebook discussions and things. So I don't know, I don't know. Maybe they don't actually exist and someone caught some baby plecos of a different ranger species and marketed them that way or, or honestly thought they were mini or something. I, I'm not sure. So time will tell. Now, maybe someone here listening knows more about mini ranger plecos than I do and can be like, oh no, they're real. Here's where you can go and get the information. I would appreciate that. But from what I've been able to find on my own, I can't tell if they're real or not. 
One Drop Aquatics. How are the Pumpkin Spice Neos doing? Fantastic. That, that batch has been rock solid. Johnny, is it a true statement to say that we haven't lost a single one? I believe that's a true statement. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny. But I don't remember losing any of them. They look great. They have good, solid coloring. And in all the time we've had them, which is at least two months, maybe more, no losses that I can remember. Spoiled Sushi, I may go with coolie loaches, thanks. Hey, you're welcome. They're, they're great little things. In a nano tank, I think a coolie loach might be a good choice. And thanks to you and One Drop Aquatics for these super chats. Greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. Gary Williams, how do you convince the wife to get another fish room? Oh, to get a fish room. Well, my wife and I had a discussion before we were ever married. <laughs> this was... <laughs> <laughs> this was a condition. <laughs> and it wasn't a hard discussion. She, we knew each other well enough that she knew that animals were too important a part of my life to not be able to have a fish room or reptile room or aviary or whatever it, it would be. Uh, I like them all, but fish are, you know, my main drug of choice, if you will. So she understood. So she's way into music. Music is the thing that has been her passion her whole life, that and writing. So it was an easy discussion. She understood that me not having a fish room would be like her not having a piano. You know, it's, and I understand that about her pianos as well and all her other instruments, is that her not having that would be like me not being able to have a fish room. So totally get it. So I don't know if a discussion like that could be helpful. Like, I don't know your house or your configuration or, or anything, but... Is it, a, is it a quid pro quo thing or like a, okay, honey, what are your dreams? What are the things you really want? Here's the things I really want. How do we go about making sure that we both get what we want? And then you just work together to accomplish those goals for each other. So it's not like you're doing your own thing and she's doing her own thing and there's actually competition between the two for resources. That might be a way to do it. I, I mean, there's all kinds of fun advice like, well, you just sneak them in a little bit at a time and pretty soon the house is cluttered and then you're like, you know, I could get these all out of here if I just put them in this room. And then it's like, yes, please get them out of the house. There's stuff like that. But I think the honest answer is like something that would probably work and be healthy for a relationship not a psychiatrist <laughs> none of that just a dude that's been married for a while is what are your goals here are my goals let's synergize together to accomplish what we both want i, I think that's how i would approach it now that might not be for everyone but <laughs> i guess the other answer is uh yeah i, I don't know i don't know send her on a cruise and when she comes back there's a fish room you know they're, they're <laughs> i say that in jest but yeah okay a train i'll get right there a train but i gotta wet my whistle so everyone raise your beverage cheers everyone thanks for being here 275 folks are here not too shabby That mental health video sounds cool. I've heard that green spaces decrease stress, improve recovery, combat mental illness, and care facilities. 
I wonder what aquariums could help with. Well, I'll tell you about it when I... First, I'm going to do the article, release that in the newsletter, and then I'll use that information to make a detailed video like I did the Amazon Puffers, and I'll tell you all about it. But, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, access to nature, it's, it's not a question. There's studies that have uh, demonstrated clearly that that's true, that access to nature, green spaces, things like that help with mental health. I mean, of course they do. That's where we come from, nature. Kind all night. An emperor, are Emperor Tetris hardy and compatible with Epistogrammas? Yeah, absolutely. To both those things. Uh, I think Emperor Tetris are one of the hardiest Tetris out there. I mean, maybe a Buenos Aires Tetra, because they're rock solid and can take any temperatures, really. <laughs> Even cold ones. But, yeah, as long as temperatures are okay, I think they're exactly right for that. Nathan Hovey, I'm excited to grow a new plant. Okay. I got my first crypt yesterday. It's a Wendetta Green. Any tips to have success? I know you're a fish lord, but worth a shot. I have no tips. I know nothing about plants. I'm sorry. But there are a lot of people in this chat that know a lot about plants. So hive mind, if you would respond to Nathan, let's help Nathan out because I am not qualified. I just don't know anything about plants. I keep plants that I can't kill. Like I put a plant in a tank, if it lives, great. If it reproduces, great. I'll take some out and put it in another tank. If it lives, great. If it reproduces, great. I'll take some out and put it in another tank. And that's how my fish room became full of water sprite, uh, java moss, and java fern, <laughs> and little else. Bunny Viper. Hey, good to hear from you, Bunny Viper. My Burmese clouded archers are doing great. Glad to hear it. Just added them to the larger tank and the small-scale archers accepted them fairly quickly. All doing very well. Absolutely love them. I'm glad to hear it. We need more archer fish love in this world. I'm glad the small-scales and the Burmese are getting along. That's good to know. Adrian, any recommendations for a hardy, peaceful centerpiece fish for a 10-gallon? I'm considering either honey or sparkling gourami. But looking for other options, do those two fish need to be in groups? No, I don't think either of those garamis has to be in a group, but they could be in a group. I think those are good options, like a nicely colored honey or red honey garami. If you can find healthy ones, unfortunately a lot of them uh, come in with something i don't know if it's a virus or mycobacterium or what but if you have access to healthy honey grommies i would say that's a no-brainer that's a beautiful fish and other options there's so many a lot of the apistos are beautiful and would do fine in that situation rams would be awesome in a situation like that Yeah, I, I just think that the number of fish that you could use as a centerpiece in a 10-gallon are thousands. But that's my general thoughts on that. I'm trying to think of what else, like 10 gallons specifically. Yeah, I'll stick with those. Some apistos, some other dwarf cichlids. Your garamis are a good choice. Yeah, I mean, you have a good range there. Chat jumped, sorry. I'm scrolling like mad to get back to the top. And 
Ooh, almost there. Oh, no, geez, it really jumped. It jumped hard. The next one I can see is Hannah D. Is Fritz Marison and Periclin safe for one week guppy fry? I don't know. I've never used that brand. But uh, Marison would be what? Erythromycin? I think that would be fine for guppy fry. And Periclin's. Is that Levamisole or Metronidazole or Praziquantzole or a combination? Paraclens Fritz. Ingredients. I don't use those brand names. Not because I don't like them, but I have to buy stuff in bulk direct from manufacturers to afford it. Okay, so Paraclens is Metro and Prazi. I don't think I don't think any of those would be a problem. If you're talking about the co-op trio, I think for Guppy Fry you're probably gonna be okay. Now I haven't tried it, but I have well, I probably have. I've had plenty of tanks that I've treated with those medicines and babies have been in there and grown up. I don't remember all the different species over the years, but I'm sure guppies were at some point in that and I didn't have a problem. Never really experimented though, and I don't remember specifically a case with guppies, but I'm sure it's happened. John Keith Gardner, how about, about, oh sorry, let's actually read here. Around how many sparkling garamis would you have in a 60 gallon tank? Ooh, okay. 60-gallon tank, some driftwood, some plants full of sparking, sparkling garamis would look awesome. I start with 100 and see how it, how it looked. And if it felt empty, maybe I'd put some more in. But I think I'd start with about 100 and a 60-gallon. Now, have lots of little crevices and hiding spots and plants and all that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm picturing in my head. I'm not picturing like a bare glass tank with a sponge filter in the corner. So, um, in a case where it's well decorated and there's lots of little crevices and nooks and crannies, yeah, 100. Nathan, how do you feel about mixing cichlid from different parts of the world? I ask as I have a tank that's mixed and some say it's a no, but I have a breeding group going, so it's got to be a healthy tank. Oh, it's totally up to you. Like, why do other people get to tell you that you shouldn't mix cichlids from different parts of the world in your own aquarium? Maybe they don't want to do it. Maybe they're, like, focused on biotopes or something like that. But absolutely. Now, not every species gets along, but there are definitely species of cichlids from different parts of the world that can get along. For example, I right now have a tank with African butterfly cichlids in with uh, Crobia jinguensis. African butterfly cichlids are from West Africa. Crobia jinguensis are from the uh, Jingo River, I believe, down in the Amazon, or at least that area. They're not the Amazon River, it's a different river, but same area, South America, and they get along famously. So it's, it's more about temperament than if they're from the same part of the world. And personally, I think it's a little weird statement to say that a fish from two cichlids from Africa can go together, but a cichlid from Africa and South America can't. There are plenty of parts of Africa where the cichlids are as distantly related from each other as they would be if you took a cichlid from South America and mixed it with that fish. Uh, just because they're from the same continent does not mean that they're closely related at all. So, yeah, that's my thoughts, Nathan. You do you. Who cares what everyone else says? Now, if you're talking about just compatibility, yeah, make sure they're compatible. But lots of them are, some aren't. Just like 
African cichlids. Some can get along, some can't. I wouldn't put a Kerbenzis in with a group of Mabuna, for example, or with a Jewel cichlid, for that matter. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper, the spotted Congos are very well settled. I consulted a true puffer expert who is well above my level on best processes, so we have a shot for sure. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited. Any orange zebra autos getting ready to sell? Oh, we have, I think we've sold out. Johnny, are there any left? We might have a couple left, in which case we'll be listing those soon. But yeah, we, we had those listed and we just sent out quite a few today. There may be a few left. Oh, I did see one this evening. There's at least one left. JTI Aquatics, what is your opinion of frozen Daphnia for Rasboras? I think it's great if it's part of a complete breakfast. <laughs> I think it's great, but I wouldn't use it as the sole food. I would use it as one ingredient in your arsenal. So if one day you feed frozen Daphnia, awesome. But next day feed them something else. I, I firmly believe that a wide variety of food is... very helpful in giving our fish a balanced diet. I mean, it just goes to reason. Now, I don't know what rasboras you have. There's some tiny little Barara species like chili rasboras with tiny mouths that might not actually be able to handle a full-grown adult, adult Daphnia of certain species. There are some species of Daphnia that are quite small, and there's others that get, you know, decently sized if you're a little chili rasbora. Or maybe you have clown rasboras that get four or five inches and they could easily take any Daphnia. So I'm not quite sure which rasboras we're talking about, but as far as like the, the nutrition value of frozen Daphnia, they're amazing food. They have a lot of roughage, a lot of chitin, so they're good fiber as well. And I would keep them as part of the rotation for sure. Provided your fish have big enough mouths to tackle them. CS, do you think I can have more spotted Congo puffs in an 80-gallon tank? Currently six are in there and get along fine, except for the male that is temporary jail to stop harassing the gals. I think I have 40 of them in a 75-gallon tank right now, and they get along great. What I will say is they do have the cichlid effect. At least in my experience keeping them. I'm, I'm, not, I'm no Preston John. I, I'm not a guy that's like the spotted Congo puffer expert by any means. But I've kept a lot of them for quite a while now. And if you have a good big group in a tank, they, they get along famously. No one gets picked on. If you have only a few, then there's a chance like you're experiencing that one will get dominant enough that they harass everyone else. So I would actually say that more might be merrier as far as spreading aggression and things like that. So that's been my experience. Now it depends on how much maintenance you do and all that stuff, but for an 80 gallon, yes, you can definitely get more as far as size of tank is concerned. You know, if I don't know. Do you only change your water once every three years? Do you feed a ton? What kind of filters, plants? You know, all, these are extremes I'm saying just to illustrate. I don't expect that that's how you keep fish, but just to illustrate that 
some of it depends on our maintenance and how we do things. But as far as the footprint goes, yeah, like I, I seriously have 40 of them in a 75 gallon now. And at least I think that's the number, something like that. And they're doing fantastic. They're, they're great. <laughs> Gary Williams reporting on his conversation with his wife. She said she'll take the cruise. <laughs> Problem solved. One cruise, now you have a fish room. <laughs> That's funny. Myrtle Singh. Bex is an award-winning artist. If you have any high-quality fish photography, send her an email. And I'm lucky to be surrounded by artists in my life. Not in the fish fam for sure, you know, Punchy Paints and uh, Bex and um, Priscilla and many others, but also just in life. I've been able to make a living as an artist most of my life, which has been awesome. John Yao, I'm getting a broken water softener replaced. Anything I need to worry about? Current fish never had soft water, just tap. Is it like in your house, the water softener you use for your home water is broken? Or, I'm not quite sure what the scenario is, but I would say that you're probably fine. I Personally, I wouldn't use softened water for my fish because of all the salts and things that go into it with a traditional water softener. Now, I don't know what kind of water softener you have. Maybe you have like a Vulcan or maybe you have I don't know, there's lots of a membrane. There's, there's lots of different kinds. But if you're talking about, hey, in my house, I have this big water softener that is a, a salt reactor, basically, then that's not water I'd use for the fish anyway, just because of all the salt. So not quite sure what your scenario is, but I think you'd probably be fine. Fish tend to thrive in hard water. All the minerals and electrolytes tend to be good for them. It's much more stressful to go from hard water to soft water, where now you don't have that and the osmotic stress on the fish is extreme, than go to soft water to hard water where those electrolytes and all that reduce osmotic stress. So I think you're fine, but I don't know the situation exactly, John. John Snow Radio, the Geophagus redhead topos we got from you are actually watching the stream on our TV. Hello. Glad you found a good home, guys. <laughs> they say hi. Already show, showing colors and being generally awesome. I'm glad to hear that, Jon Snow. Yeah, Redhead Tapajos Geophagus. It's hard to go wrong. Beautiful, hardy little neat fish and fairly peaceful for cichlids, which I always consider a bonus. Louis Malave. It's probably Malav, but I'm going to go with Malave. Dan, your recommendations on the best rainbow fish breeding setup, thanks. Oh, for breeding, I'd recommend take an aquarium, empty dry aquarium, paint the bottom, sides, and back black, flat black. If you get gloss, it reflects a lot of light. Flat black, so it doesn't reflect a lot of light. Have a lid, because they can jump. Have a mature sponge filter, put it in there. If you want, maybe you could put a piece of driftwood or something else in there too, just to have some more, you know, natural stuff in there. But basically, bear tank, 
lid, sponge filter in one side, spawning mop in the other. And you want the spawning mop to go from the very top of the water down to about an inch from the bottom. And uh, that's it. Every week, pull out that mop, and if the fish are adults and are healthy and are well-fed and all that, it should be full of eggs. The reason I like a bear setup like that is then the fish don't have lots of places to lay the eggs, so they almost all end up in the mop. So when you pull the mop, you get more eggs. If you have a lot of plants in the tank and stuff like that, the fish will spawn everywhere, and maybe a few eggs will end up in the mop. But if they can only spawn in the mop, you get much more. Now, there is another way to do this, though. If you have a tank that's mature and set up, maybe it has plants and gravel and I don't know. It's just a normal aquarium, right? You can put your rainbow fish in there. And then after a couple weeks, take the rainbow fish out. And babies will just appear in that tank. So that's kind of a less work-intensive way to do it. Just put the fish in, take them out, and let the babies appear and then feed the babies. But if you really want production, I'd go with a fairly bare tank in a mop. Make the mop nice and thick as well. Oftentimes I'll, I'll see folks with spawning setups and the mop is a straggly little thing. The problem with that is fish like to eat eggs. And if it's straggly, they can get to all the eggs in the mop and so your production drops. If it's a nice thick mop, then the eggs go deep enough into the mop that they might eat a few on the outside, but the majority of the eggs will be uh, safe from predation from their own parents eating their own babies, these darn fish. That's my thoughts, Lewis. Rina Mar, the, will dwarf chain loaches eat MTS? I don't know. They might get lucky. The problem is MTS, this is Malaysian trumpet snails for those that don't know. They have a trap door. So if the loach comes around, they just suck into their shell and their door shuts and the loach can't get in to eat them. Loaches are very successful at eating like pond snails and ram's horn snails that don't have a trapdoor because those retreat into their shell, but the loach's face is such that it can get into the shell and, and eat them anyway. But with the trapdoor, I'm not sure. I think that could be a problem. Now, someone here maybe has tried it. Luckily, I've been free of MTS. I don't have that problem. I'm clean and <laughs> hope to remain so, but... Um, Someone here can, can confirm that. JTI Aquatics, my mini ranger is at least three inches now. Yeah, so maybe they're not minis. I still, I still am like only 40% certain that minis are a real thing at all. So I'm not quite surprised to hear that. Uh, have you actually got a ruler? I thought the same thing. I thought mine were at least three inches, but when I got the ruler and measured them, I was like, oh, I thought they were three, but they turned out to only be two and a half. So if you actually measured them, because they can be deceiving. I'm not doubting you. I'm just wondering if it was a glance or an actual measurement. Beck's Fish Room. It's going well, thanks. Did great selling at the Clash and won second place to Sam Scales of the art competition. About to start working on some new pieces. Awesome, Bex. I'm glad to hear it. And Sorry I couldn't keep up with that, but it's been hard for me to keep up with anything except for dancefish.com, to tell you the truth. it's Man, scaling a business will take everything you got. Chris Robertson, fish room or mistress? That's easy. <laughs> fish rooms are a lot less trouble. <laughs> a lot less trouble, probably less expensive. And uh, don't get you into legal issues. 
Chad Alcarez, have you ever had or planning to get black mollies? Having a hard time finding quality black mollies locally. Would love to get a colony going. So I will probably bring some black mollies in. I'm working on getting some live bears in from Israel. And I think they have the blacks available. I want to try an import from Israel because I think the quality... One of the things I'm trying to do here is get good quality live bears. You might have noticed that if you've been following me for a while. Um, guppies are so disappointing because they're gorgeous, but then you get them and within a few weeks they've all melted down and died, right? I don't know if you've had that experience, but that's a common experience. And so quite a while ago, I was like, I, I got to solve this problem and figure this out. So we, we've made some progress on that. We brought an aquatic veterinarian in on retainer to help us figure out what was going on and, and try to find a healthy source or be able to treat guppies if the source wasn't healthy. And we've made some progress on some fronts, but I want to try Israel and see the fish might be more expensive, but I think we're going to get a better quality fish and maybe it'll be hardier. So that is on my list of things to do. And when I do that, if they have black mollies available, yeah, I plan on ordering some. I like black mollies. Feral Aquarist, do you think you'll be able to get the Chinese highway catfish? Oh, man, I love that fish. In any time in the future, I love the ones I ordered a few years ago from you. Okay, for those that don't know this fish, this is awesome. Forgot the scientific name. I'm just getting images of fish on highways. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah, Tachycerus trilineatus. Tachycerus tri. Yeah, these guys. Feast your eyes on the highway catfish. They're called a highway because look at this. It looks like they're on a road with a dotted line down the middle, right? Like a highway. Here's some that we had a little while ago. It's just like a, a road, right? Anyway, awesome fish, really unique, kind of really beautiful. The, the yellows on them are kind of like a bright yellow, a neat pattern, super hard to find. I do hope to bring some more in. Like, yeah, it's full disclosure. I can get them. I have a source for them. The problem is that particular saurus doesn't treat the fish up to our standards. So I've, I've stopped purchasing from them. Now, I do even when they had them in, though, I would order them over and over, and only occasionally would they come in. So just because they're on their list doesn't mean they're actually like in stock, right? They're, they're hard to find. But I, I try really hard not to support I try really hard to source fish from places that treat their fish humanely. That's one of our main missions. We say at dancefish.com, if you go there, up on the top of our website, we talk about our mission and everything, and we say humanely sourced, maintained, and transported fish. And so I've had to weed out some sources that just don't do a good job. If I'm really true to my mission, that's kind of what I have to do. Now, there's the other side of that, though, that is like, yeah, but you can only get the fish from there, so maybe you roll the dice. I, 
or you know do an occasional purchase even though but what we're trying to do is change this industry into a more humane thing and that's why I haven't ordered from that supplier in a long time and that's why I haven't had that fish in a long time so that's that's the honest truth of that situation they're on a list that I get every week but I choose not to order because I I think it's inhumane to order from that source now I'm constantly looking for new sources and trying new sources sometimes they're great sometimes they're a, a disaster <laughs> like the order we got from the Democratic Republic of the Congo last a few months ago a couple months ago yeah those that was not humane at all so I won't be ordering from them again or will demand they do it a certain way and help them improve so part of this is people do things one way and have never thought of doing it another way so until someone comes along and is like hey that was a disaster here's what happened if I order from you again here's what I would expect and if it doesn't happen I'll never order again you know something like that or I won't pay for them until they arrive and I see that they are treated correctly sometimes you can do that with some suppliers so basically working with the suppliers to kind of educate them on how you want things done and so far when I've done that it's been good because every time I place an order from a supplier I return a shipping report right I'll say hey here's how many died here's how many didn't make it here's some problems we saw here's an issue that we saw that made it so the fish died or came in bad shape or had an issue or whatever right we, we give a report back and so far what's happened is the suppliers we have worked with to help to, to make how do you say this work with to try to get more humanely sourced fish see the results and when they send them and they're like and I send the shipping report it's like oh they did much better this time it's like yeah let's continue to do this right so there is some merit and not just being like hey your fish are terrible I'll never work with you again instead trying to like I don't want to say educate because it's not like I'm their teacher but help work with them to try to see if we can improve how they do things there is some merit into doing that as well the source with the highway catfish not gonna happen I've been there tried that but there is some merit to working with companies that will make changes I guess so but that Chinese highway catfish as of now I'm not going to be able to bring any in just because of that situation. We have 310 folks here. Thanks, 310 folks. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for spending your Wednesday evening with us. Jamie Felix throwing down a 99-cent super chat with a super cute kitty and... Are those boxing gloves? Everyone be careful. Jamie knows how to throw down. <laughs> Jeans Fish. I've been shipping fish with priority mail and the UP, USPS has just told me live fish are only to be shipped overnight. Is anyone else running into this? Oh yeah, UPS, or USPS has been saying that for years and most people just ignore it. But my experience with priority mail is as of a few years ago, it started being highly unreliable. Fish never get there in two days. They, they would take three, four days. So. We stopped using it and have changed to next day delivery, overnight shipping only on our end. And are glad we did. We, it, things are better. But 
yeah, most people continue to ship priority mail. They just, you know, ignore that. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying the post office has told me that years ago. <laughs> and it kind of depends on who you're talking to as well. Depends on who your clerk is and what they understand the regulations to be. And, man, it's been years since I've read the actual regulations, but they're out there. You can look them up. Greg Gall with Miss Fishmonger. Will Miss Fishmonger ever make an appearance on the live stream? She did once. There is a live stream. I don't remember the number where uh, Brenda, my dear sweet wife, came on. So, yeah. But will we have her on again? Well, here's what we are going to do. Brenda is launching her own YouTube channel, and she's a professional musician. She's classically trained. She has an amazing voice. Like, I'm so lucky I get to be in the house with this person. And, you know, just music in the house all the time. It's awesome. And uh, she, so when she, she's getting content, she's recording videos right now of her singing and getting that ready. And when it's ready, then uh, maybe on one of these live streams, we'll all head over and, and like for her debut video or something, and you can meet her there. But she has been here. It's just been a long time. Kelly Foreman. Kelly, it's so good to see you. Thank you for the super chat. Oh, and for the ego um, boosting sticker as well. No, you're amazing. No, but really, you are. Thank you for being you, Kelly. Appreciate it. I want to make sure I didn't skip one here. Oh, it looks like Spinster Sister. It's so funny. I, I wonder why this happened. So I didn't see your super chat earlier because it did not appear. Oh, it just appeared. <laughs> okay, must be a new one. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat. Thanks for looking out for the fish and us too. That's what we do. Like, this is the reason Dance Fish exists. I just got sick of people getting fish that weren't healthy. I was sick of doing getting fish that weren't healthy myself. And I was really tired of friends when they found out I kept fish saying, oh yeah, I kept fish once, but they all died. It's like, that's horrible. Why? And so we launched the company to try to be, make a change and treat the fish right and treat them humanely in order to get you guys, our customers, healthy fish that actually thrive for them. That's the whole reason we're here. And you know what? It's weird that we had to do that. It's, it's just counterintuitive. If you're an industry that sells fish, wouldn't that be your baseline already? No. So honestly, we're able to look really good just by doing the bare minimum of what should be done anyway. It's, it's a little bit sad. So yeah, we're happy to do it. It's the reason we launched the business and it's, it's the thing that motivates us. It's, we, as a team, we meet about it all the time. We, we read the customer feedback and like, hey, yeah, we did it. Or, ooh, this didn't go well. What can we do better? Like, it's the thing that drives us. So, um, yeah, you're welcome. And we enjoy it. And uh, it's how we want to do business. We just want to work at a place we're excited to go to and feel good about what we're doing, basically. Yeah. All right. I'll get off my soapbox because now it just sounds like I'm virtuous signaling. So I'll move on. Um 
Renamar, or the Shrimp Brain Trust, if you bred the pumpkin orange shrimp with the yellow shrimp with the bright backs, would you get an orange shrimp with the growing, glowing back, anyone? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe someone else would know. I mean, you'd probably end up with kind of a muddy shrimp or, or, a, or a variety of colors, but I don't know if the bright yellow neon back on the, on the yellow shrimp could be transferred to an orange line. It's a good question. I don't know. Kayla's Aquatics and Reptiles throwing down a massive super chat. $49.99. Thank you so much, Bob. Much appreciated. With the what I'm going to say is the dude Pippi Longstocking. Now, I don't know for sure. It's just a little animation. No judgments. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you, Bob. Much appreciated. You know how much I like Pippi. Even the dude Pippi. <laughs> the Pippi dude. Nathan Hovey. I want to change from sand back to gravel. Yep. Filters hang on back and canister have been running for months, always cleaned with tank water. Would I need to do anything special or just have at it? Thanks. No, have at it. Um, I would, when you do that, you're going to lose a lot of your biological filtration. A lot of your nitrifying bacteria lives in your sand. Now, it's in your filters and things too, but it lives in your sand. So one thing I would make sure I did is didn't like clean my filters right before I made the change. Because if you take out all that biological nitrifying material, bacteria, then you want to keep the bacteria you already have in your, in your hang on back in your canister. So yeah, I would just have at it. I would just keep those filters nice and mature. Now, anytime you make a big change, there's always a chance that things could become unstable and that you could have some issues while the tank is restabilizing. So that, that's, that's always a possibility. But if it's nice and mature and those filters are nice and mature, I think you're probably going to be okay. Odds are in your favor. Beta Plus. Will you do a wild beta giveaway anytime soon? Really love them. I probably won't just because I don't have that many wild bettas right now in, in numbers for giveaways. So it's not that I wouldn't want to. I, I think I've given away Betta Cochina and, and a few others in the past, but I don't have good stock of wild bettas at the moment. But I would do that if I had, if I was well stocked in wild bettas and they were looking great, I would totally do that. I think I've done that in the past. What, what we typically do for our giveaways here is as I'm walking around working in the fish warehouse, I'll notice fish that are like, dude, those look great right now. And so I'll be like, okay, we'll do the giveaway of that. Now, if I only have six of them, I don't do the giveaway. But if I have decent numbers of them and they look amazing, then I'll do the giveaway. So, well, I guess unless they're like the last six in the tank and I'm like, I need to empty that tank out for the next import and those look awesome, then maybe I'll do a giveaway to clear a tank. But usually it's, that looks awesome and we've got a lot of them, let's do a giveaway. It's not really about price. Like sometimes we give away really expensive fish here. It's not about, is this fish rare? It's not about is any of that stuff is just, oh, those look amazing right now. They'd make a great giveaway. That's how we do it. Spinster sister, I have three crazy male endlers. How many female endlers should I get for them? As many as I would for guppies? Yeah, like 15. <laughs> the more the merrier. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. Those male endlers are never going to be satisfied. 
And it's much easier on the females if they outnumber the males significantly because they get harassed less. Uh, Guppy and Endler ladies, I don't know how, how they do it. It's just, uh, yeah, <laughs> they get harassed constantly. Ah, all right. Water's good, especially up here in the mountains of Wyoming. Nice, fresh snow runoff water. Dan Medina, can I get away with a six-foot tank for a group of uh, Melanotania van Herneri, or do they require an eight-foot tank? I think six would be fine. Now, that fish is one of the larger rainbow fish, but yes, I think a six-foot tank, like a 125-gallon uh, typical size would be just fine absolutely now would eight be better of course but 20 feet would be better than that even yeah i think eight's good Vil dark arts you did a video recently on amazon puffers you think they could be housed in a 33 gallon long and if so how many do you think could go in there absolutely a 33 gallon long is a four foot footprint i think they'd be absolutely fine in that and how many Four feet, foot, what is it, a foot deep, about a foot tall, and, and four feet long, a 33 long, I think. It provided the tanks mature and can handle the bio load, and you maintain tanks in such a way that the bio load could be handled. This might surprise folks, but I think you could do, uh, I think you could do eight in there. Yeah, yeah, I really do. We've got a 40-gallon right now. That's only a three-foot-long tank. And uh, it's a 40-breeder. And I have a group of Amazons that I've been nursing, uh, getting weighed on for quite a while, nursing back to health for a few months now. And Johnny, how many did we have in there? I mean, at least 15, I think. And, and they're fine. There hasn't been any nipping. They're not surfing the glass. They're, they're acting totally normal. So that's a fish that likes to be with other Amazon puffers. They like to be together. So I think that would be fine. Yeah, I think eight would be not a problem. Now, one thing we do here is we change a lot of water. Like when the system's really up and running full bore, we're changing... Tanks get 100% water change every 40 minutes. So we don't run into issues with bio load and all that. So that's why I'm saying I, sometimes maybe I'm keeping a lot more fishing tanks than a normal hobbyist would just because the water's so clean. I don't have issues with water quality when the system's really up and running at full bore. That's why the caveat here is like, is that tank set up in such a way it can take the, the bio load? Because spatially, I think it could house eight without a problem. Spencer's sister, you have many snowball plecos though. Too bad on the mini rangers. Yeah, the mini rangers, I'm not sure, but the mini snowballs, yeah, we have a good source for that. We've been selling those for a few years and we're confident they're the minis. Uh, no one has come back and said, oh, these got huge. Pretty sure they're the real 471s. I'd be super surprised if they weren't. Renamar, I have teeny MTS sneak in on plants and survive the alum treatment. So now I have a tank that has thousands, yes. And they need to go, but I don't want to break down the tank if I can avoid it. Yeah. 
I don't know what to do to help you. I'm not saying there isn't a solution. It's just not an experience I've had, so I haven't done that. But someone here maybe has had success clearing out MTS in a way that didn't have to break down and bleach the tank. So if you have, would you let us know? I don't know, do assassin snails help at all? I'm not sure. I wish I had like the easy fix for you. I just don't. Cat with corn dog. All right, how hard are the L236 Superwise to take care of? Might pick up one. I don't think they're any harder than any other Hypencistress. I really don't. They're more expensive, so we're like, ooh, that must be really difficult. But we treat them like every other Hypencistress. They've been hardy for us. Folks here that have bought them from us, or, or from someone else for that matter, if you have the uh, L236 Super Whites, what's been your experience? Mine is that they're pretty rock solid. I don't think they're any, yeah, normal Hypencistress. But let's see what other folks say, Cat with Corn Dog, but I think everyone's having pretty good success with them. Farat, any tips on getting dwarf gouramis to eat flake or pellet food? Yes. This is almost any fish, this will work. Here's how we do it. We get a lot of fish in that um, won't eat anything but frozen food, sometimes won't eat anything but live food. And there are a few fish that that's all they're ever gonna eat. But most fish can be transferred to dry foods. Here's how we do it. When the fish first come in, we treat them whatever they wanna eat. We we treat them to whatever they want to eat. If they only eat frozen bloodworms, okay. We'll feed them frozen bloodworms for a week and feed them a lot. What we're trying to do is get them to recover from being shipped in, recover from being in a new tank, let them settle in without adding the stress of, oh, now you have to learn to eat this to their lives. So if they eat it, we feed it for the first week. They're settled in now, they've gained some weight. Okay, good, now we can start doing other things. So now, let's say I want to get them to eat uh, algae wafers, let's say. Then what I'll do is, in the morning, I'll put in an algae wafer. I'll come back a little later. If they haven't eaten the algae wafer, I'll remove it. I do this with Massivore or Delight pellets. Any pellet that kind of stays together and doesn't disintegrate in the water quickly will, will be good for this process. They didn't eat the algae wafer. I take it out, I feed them whatever they will eat. Next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. It might take a week, it might take two weeks, but eventually, if there are fish that will eat an algae wafer, if that's, you know, some fish absolutely never will, they're not made for that, but if this is a quarry or a different type that could, they'll eventually start eating it. And that's how I do it. It's, it's more about them becoming familiar with the new food realizing its food, developing a taste for it, and taking to it naturally than it is me trying to, me, me trying to like starve them until they take it. I'm not training a dog here. It's not that they're not eating it because they're like being picky or being obstinate. They simply don't know it's food yet. They're hungry. If they knew it was food, they would eat it. So that's how we do that. We don't want to take newly arrived fish and get them skinnier and not feed them till they eat what we want them to eat. What we found is we feed them whatever they'll eat and we introduce the food we want them to eat over and over and over again and eventually they'll eat it. And again, if you use wafers or pellets or something that 
you can come back and scoop out easily if they haven't eaten it. Then you avoid the whole problem of like, oh shoot, I put flakes in there. They didn't eat them, but the flakes are now like powder all over the aquarium and I can't possibly clean them out. You don't want rotting food in there. So that's how we do it. It's just getting them familiar. And that's my best tip on how to do that without stressing the fish or making it starve. Kids, aquatics, and reptiles, I still have my highways. Yeah, those highway cats are something else. I'm glad you got some, and I'm glad they're doing well for you, Bob. That's good to hear. Route 66 cats, yeah. <laughs> Spinster sister, thank you, Dan, for looking out for the fish and for us, too. Oh, I think I already, I already got that. Well, thank you. Thanks again for the super chat. Rena Mar, your ethics and care for the critters are one of your best features. I appreciate you caring about the water pets. Yep, it's, it's the only way we can do this and feel good about what we do. It's the only way we can do this and be excited to come to work every day. We've worked other places, and it was a different story. So it's just there's something rewarding and fun about going to work and knowing you're making a difference. That's why we do it. And then now I'm getting off the soapbox because I don't want to just be like, I don't know. That guy that smiles and there's that fake, I'm so good. You know, it's not that. But we really are trying. Dan's Fish, the mission is we're trying to improve the industry. That's what we're trying to do. Leading by example, growing to the point where we're big enough that other folks have to pay attention. That's, that's the whole game plan. Dan Medina, my L333 is extremely reclusive. It never leaves its cave and has grown very little, if at all. Tank mates are hillstream, coolie loaches, and a school of rads. Is this normal behavior? Yes, that's very normal for an L33 pleco. And as far as growth, hypencystrus grow painfully slowly. These are not quick-growing fish. This is why it can take a couple years before they'll even start breeding. So I, I don't know how long, Dan, you've had that fish. I, I'm not quite sure. But... So Hypencystrus are slow growers. So that all sounds normal to me. Ice Demon 1515. I know of, you know of any way to acquire female dwarf karamis? I swear no one sells them anywhere. Yeah, they're hard to find because most people, most shops buy the males because they have more color. You might get lucky and find a shop that will bring in like the powder blue females because they're pretty and they're less aggressive than males. I mean, we did bring in a group, but they're gone now. I haven't had those for quite a while. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. It's a tough one to find in the industry. I don't know if your local pet store could do a special order from you, for, from you, <laughs> for you, because I know their suppliers probably have them. They're, it's not like they're rare on the lists. You can find them on the supply lists, but it's something that stores are afraid won't sell very well, so they don't bring them in. Just because the males tend to have more color. Can you get gold in turquoise severum, says Dan Medina. I probably could. Here's the issue with severums. Now, this wouldn't be as big an issue with the golds, but in the past, we've bought severums from suppliers, several suppliers. And when they come, they're usually small, right? Inch and a half, something like that. And let's say we buy uh, spotted severums, Heroes Notatus. And so we sell them as Heroes Notatus. 
And then eight months later, a customer sends us a picture of what is clearly a red shoulder severum and says, here is the spotted severum I bought from you. I'm unhappy. This is not a spotted severum. I grew it up for eight months. It's not the fish I ordered, right? That's the problem. Barring purchasing large adult severums that are already colored in, I can't tell a Heroes Notatus from a red shoulder at an inch and a half. So when I order them, I rely on my supplier to send me the right fish. They don't always do that, and it leads to problems when <laughs> the customer buys the fish. We sold them as the wrong fish, not knowing they were the wrong fish because they were too small to tell, and now we, our reputation takes a ding. The most valuable asset we have here at Dance Fish is our reputation. It's taken years and years to build. It's taken years of um, consistently doing things in a way that gets healthier fish to our customers, uh, shipping the way we do, all that stuff. Years of doing that consistently for people to, for the reputation to build and for people to be like comfortable recommending us to their friends and their, their loved ones, right? So knowing that bringing in a fish like that and selling it could put a ding on our reputation makes it not really worth it. So we have a group of Severums right now that we've been growing up for months because we have to make sure they develop the red shoulders before we can sell them as what we think they are, which is red shoulder Severums. It doesn't make sense from a business standpoint to do that. We're only doing that because we don't want to disappoint the customer. <laughs> but once this batch is done, we probably won't do more Severums. Now maybe we could do the mouth brooding Severum because that's different enough that it's pretty clear when that's the right fish. The gold Severums, that's pretty clear, but that's the tricky thing. And it can be a problem with geophagus, it can be a problem with lots of different fish. So the only way around that is to put a big disclaimer on the, the listing, which we've done that says, hey, we buy these as what they're listed for. They're too small for us to know if they're not that, so we're listing them as that. Uh, so there's a, you know, we hope they are that, but we can't know till they grow out. But the problem with that is then customers aren't confident enough to even purchase the fish from you. So it's kind of a catch-22 on some of those things. The golds maybe we can bring in. We haven't though, just because golds are pretty common. And so we haven't done that, but that might be worth doing. We haven't tried golds before. Yeah, but turquoise would be hard just because I think they could be difficult to know for sure that that's what we were getting at a very small size. Okay, it's, it's 8.23. All right, we'll go a few more minutes and then we're going to do a giveaway. We have 318 folks here. Thanks for being here, everyone. That's amazing. Appreciate you all showing up. All right, Del Cantrell, what's the best way to grow a following for our fish tank page so that we can help people like you do? I think the best thing anyone can do that is trying to develop a following or a customer base or whatever is provide value to their customers or their viewers or whatever. So if you're providing value, people will come, they will find you, the word will spread. If you're not providing value and it's a selfish thing and you're just trying to get people to come and wondering why aren't they coming, 
That's an issue. There's a lot of things I see where people are trying to promote things and get, it gets no traction. It's like, why? It's like, well, because you're not providing value to the people, so they're not coming. <laughs> now, the value road is a long one. So the first thing I would say is this is definitely a marathon, not a sprint. But if you consistently provide real value to your base such that if you stopped doing it tomorrow, they would miss you. Like you're providing such value that if you stop doing what you're doing, they would miss it and they would seek it out and be like, where is this? I've been wanting this. It has to be that much value that they would miss it if it was gone. If you do that consistently long-term, you will build a base. I would refer you to Seth Godin, a great author, um, has many books out, but you can listen to just his keynote speeches on YouTube for free. I'd recommend reading a book of his called Purple Cow, which is amazing. I think, I mean, I, I consider Seth Godin like my godfather. I've never met the guy. He doesn't know me, but he's my godfather. He's my, my kind of marketing PR godfather. But I follow him a little bit. He, he articulates this stuff very clearly and with a lot of experience. But I think that's the key. It's long haul and it has to be valuable to people. All right, chat jumped, so gotta do the scrolls. Five minutes left. Oh, good question. Case two, when's the merch line coming out? Jonathan and I were talking about that a few days ago. Because we really wanna do that. The, the honest answer is, as soon as we have the time to focus on it, we really want to do it. It might take us being able to find our content creator to free me up enough that I can then focus on some merch. But, it, but it's something we're thinking about now, for sure but it's not something we think we can actually tackle now. But we've been talking about it. It's on our list. I wanna do it, I have some great ideas. Like, I wanna do the, it's good to be angle-hearted shirt. I think that would be great. <laughs> I wanna do, there's always another way to fail. <laughs> like Fish, Fish Tank Barn had a great little design for that with like just a fish skeleton and just says, there's always another way to fail. A little morbid, but you know, gallows humor. And then, anyway, I've got, I've got a lot of things in my mind that I want to do, but it's just a bandwidth thing. There's only so much time. The priority has to always be caring for the fish. Like, that's first. Are the fish being taken care of properly? Are they being shipped properly? Are they being sourced properly? So that takes a lot of time and focus. After that, it's, are the customers being taken care of properly? That takes a lot of time and focus. Fortunately, we have Jimmy, who's kind of amazing at that job. Shout out to Jimmy. There's lots of things that have to be done. The next thing is, is um, keeping in touch with our community, and that means creating content that can be consumed by the community. That's important, or that, that connection would go away. Merch is somewhere down the line. Um, it's getting closer, but we're not there quite yet. But man, I want to do that. 
Okay. Nathan, no question at the moment. Just wanted to say thank you for answering all the questions and all the amazing advice tonight. Oh, you're welcome. That's what, that's what we do. It's a pleasure for me as well. And I have to say, there's been plenty of times when I've had questions or needed help, and this community here in the chat has helped me out as well. It goes both ways. So thanks to all you guys as well. Oh, <laughs> Myrtle saying I need to redo the Sharpie. Yeah, so my son has the same water bottle, and it was getting weird. I'd take a drink, I'd be like, where do those floaties come from in my water? So, yeah, I labeled it. This is Dan's bottle. I need to redo it, though. All right, I think it's about time. <laughs> Jeez. If I don't choke on my own breath, sorry, guys. To do a giveaway, just a second. Okay, I think I cleared it out. <clears throat> that was weird. Apparently breathing is hard. Let's do the giveaway. This is for some albino curbensis, a beautiful gateway drug into the world, the amazing world of West African cichlids. There are 214 eligible users, and there are 323 folks in the chat. This is going to be exciting. The winner is Jamie Felix, who knows how to, th how to throw down with those boxing gloves. Jamie, you have won. You have two minutes to claim your winnings. You do that by leaving a chat that says, I'm here, or yay, or something. Just let us know you're here. You have two minutes to do that, and then you'll have one. If you don't respond within two minutes, then it goes away, and we draw the next person. Okay, what's the next one I can see? Scrolling down here. Survival of the fishiest. I like it. Your L471 Stay Mini. I got one elsewhere prior to getting yours, and it's clearly not a mini. Yeah, yeah, that's been the report we've got, I, I think, from every customer that's bought one. The breeder we get them from, it's the same strain every time. He's got his breeding colony, and when we buy them, they come from the same uh, group every time. So I'm confident they're 471s as well. Yes, indeed. Scary Terry, assassin snails definitely do. Okay, I got literally two for my 55-gallon rainbow tank, and they knocked out an entire population in a couple weeks. Was this MTS Scary Terry, or was this like uh, ram's horn or pond snails? Because there's been two different discussions in the chat tonight. Um, one was just normal little pest snails, and one was uh, MTS. So which one are you referring to? Let me scroll to the bottom here and see if Scary Terry responds, because if it's MTS, that would be amazing to know. Still waiting on you, Jamie Felix. You're close. It's been a minute and 40 seconds, so you have about ooh, 18 seconds now to chime in. Let us know you're here. All right, I'm going to see if, while we're waiting on Scary Terry here, Let's see. Mega Mindy Lou, my sister is a graphic artist for web design. She might be able to help out with merch. Oh, that could be cool. Toad Tamer, I have discovered that my two tanks have fish TB. Oh, should I nuke the tank or let them love until they die out naturally? Yeah, so TB is a, a disease that isn't ever going to be treated. But it's like, I don't know, it's like herpes. You know, it's not always flared up. You can live a pretty normal life most of your life. 
uh, provided your immune system is is kept up. So if I had a tank of pet fish and there was TB in there, I would isolate the tank, I would get the tank its own net, its own equipment, so I didn't mix it with any other tank. <clears throat> and I would just keep them and let them live out their life because they can go a, a, a they can live a long full life with TB. If their immune system ever does take a jab though and it flares up, you know, that might do them in, but they could go years before that happens. So that's that's what I would probably do. Now really do want to isolate it that stuff is very contagious and it's probably the tank that I would do things on last like I take care of all the other tanks first and then take care of that tank so that I wasn't taking care of that tank and then getting into another tank a little later and maybe transferring something but yeah that's my thoughts on that and if by TB you mean mycobacterium I'm not sure what exactly we're referring to by TB be careful yourself because it's zoogen Zoogenetic, is that the term? It can uh, it can transfer to people. Scary Terry says, yes, it was MTS. Okay, that's great to know. Apparently, from Scary Terry's experience, I did not know this before. This is great. Assassin Snails wiped out a, a problem tank he had with a big invasion of MTS. Just two snails took out a big colony of them. That's good news. So for the folks that were asking about how to get rid of MTS, try some Assassin Snails. That is great to know. Okay. Jamie Felix is here. All right, Jamie, congrats. You have won. And uh, if what we need then is an email. Just send us your first name, your last name, and your mailing address. If you email that to hello at dancefish.com, that's H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, then we will arrange uh, when to ship them and get those out to you. We just need your first name, last name, and mailing address so we know who to send them to and where to, and where to send them to. All right, that's it for the night. Thanks for being here, everybody. I want to start by thanking my moderators for being here and doing what they do. Thanks for being you, for helping out. I want to thank the members. Thanks for joining up, being part of the Fishmonger crew. I just appreciate it. It blows my mind that people do that. So thanks for the support. Everyone who was active in the chat, helped people out, made this lively. Thanks for being here and participating. All you lurkers, though, I respect hail to lurker nation if you're listening from a, a, a okay i can't even talk tonight <laughs> if you're listening to the replay hello from the past and if you're listening on the podcast thanks for listening i think that covers it we'll be back is this true yeah not yeah next we'll be back next week on wednesday same bat time same bat channel man i'm not going to get through this outro for some reason my brain just went like yeah i'm tired now i'm going to shut down <laughs> We'll be back same bad time, same bad channel next week. Until then, have a good one. I gotta go. I gotta sleep. Good night. Goodbye.